squad, Zach? Yes, Jim. Oh, this, it just, it, it really is the life, you know? Kicking back here with you, watching the waves roll in. Oh, I was gonna sipping say, a Mai Tai. We are both up and coming, very busy businessmen. Absolutely. And you, you got to take time for yourself. You got to take a summer. You really you got to take a summer break. The teachers have it right. You got to take exactly. that summer off. Yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like a staycation. You know what I mean? Like that's is am I using that term correctly? Staycation. One hundred percent not. But that's okay. Okay. Because you know what? Well, we're on island time right now. My that's friend. right, baby. It's Margaritaville. Uh, you can hear that steel drum going on in the background there. It's uh. uh you can oh, hear that. You can hear that public domain steel drum because paying for that's on the budget, baby. It's vacation time. That's right. That's right. Um, are we? I got this weird kind of feeling though. This is a little itch. Are we? Are we forgetting anything? Is it, do you? Do you got some kind of nagging at you? Let me see. We got the we got the suntan lotion. Yeah, we got that for sure. And I, I appreciate you putting that on me, by the way. Well, yeah, you know, I had to. That's what friends are for. Uh, I mean, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't ask you to put it on my inner thighs, but I mean, I wasn't ungrateful. Hey, it's all about the technique. You got to make sure it's covered all over so you don't get burned. And when you're be right. when it's being applied to you, you have to maintain very uncomfortable amounts of eye contact. Oh, I happening. know. And, and you did that in spades, my right. friend. So well, I and I apologize it. for starting to breathe heavy. Um, I had jogged over there. Uh, to put the lotion yeah, well, on you. Well, I told you it was. <laughs> there was a t time was <laughs> running out. So. Right. Anyway, yeah, time was a right, factor. Yeah. I do feel like we're forgetting something. Yeah. 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 I mean, okay. So I mean, it's uh, it's sunny, so it can't be. Uh, wait. What? 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 What day is it? What? What? What month is it? It's what are we from? Oh, uh, ooh, it's October. Oct October. Have we been, have we been on vacation so long that, is it, is it spooky season right now? Oh my God, it's spooky season. That's why it's a skeleton playing the steel drums back there, dude. We, oh, I we thought Jimmy Buffett was just old. Fuck. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> okay, we gotta, we, we gotta throw something together here, man. We, we, we run a horror podcast. We, it's, it's October. We didn't even put an episode out last month. Jesus. Okay. okay. All right. Think, think, um, think. Uh, okay. Uh, let's just, we got no time to write notes or anything. Let's just do a movie that we, we've seen uh, a lot. Okay. Well, what's a movie that you've seen a lot? Uh, 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 oh, uh, Mon Monkey Bone was on in the hotel like a thousand times. Monkey Bone with Brendan Fraser? Yes, yes. Uh, okay, all right, F fine. What fine. about you? Monkey what about Bone. you? What's what's a movie that you could just pull off the top of your head? Uh, 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 oh gosh, um, it's uh, you know David Duchovny and uh, Julianne Moore before she had established herself as an acting presence. Really, uh, what is it called? Uh, Evolution. Oh my God, Evolution. All right, no, that's fine. It's fine. It's a good choice. It's a good choice. Okay, all right, fine. Let's okay. go. Hit the title. Welcome to episode 11. Today we've got two hauntingly horny hootenatties with 2001's Evolution and 2001's Monkey Bone. So don't taunt death because she's the center square. It's time for Frightful Failures! Frightful Failures. I am your ghost host with most Zach Romero. Joining me, as always, is your ghost host with the most, 
TN Guignol and TN. It's October, which means right here, Frightful Failures. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yes, yes. What's that mean? Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm pumping, I'm pumping it, I'm pumping oh, up. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. It means here, Frightful Failures. We start the season off by not talking about horror films in any way. You better believe it, because you know what? All the other movie podcasts that don't just kind of rotate around old, tired horror films, like, they are the ones who do horror movies in October, so we gotta go against the status quo, baby. That's what we gotta do. I don't know if I would necessarily consider the movies that we've gone over old, tired horror films. I don't know if... uh, I don't know if Blood Diner would really be considered like, oh, you know, those old tropes that people always watch and talk about. Yeah, I, I guess. Fine. We've done a few that are, are on the, the tippy top of people's tongues, but you're right. We're generally horror hipsters, so yes. fine. So, uh, with that in mind, we were back from our uh, island vacation, and yeah. we are talking about two films that, as we're getting ready to discuss here, I'm starting to uh, have a creeping... Uh, suspicion are actually a lot more similar than I had originally anticipated. Well, that always happens. You know, life uh, exists in parallels. And even when you don't think you're matching up with something else, you might be. For instance, I mean, we just pulled these two movies out of a hat. We didn't know that they came out the same year. Yeah, same year and uh, somewhat similar backstories. So uh, let's start with uh, 2001's Evolution. Uh, now, as TN pointed out, starring David Duchovny, uh, Orlando Jones, Julianne Moore, uh, a goddamn cameo appearance by uh, Dan Aykroyd. It was directed by uh, Ivan Reitman. So so I did not know that until my most recent viewing of this. Right. No, uh, I, I think this goes without saying that uh, although we are always perpetually knowledgeable, uh, you know, professionals in terms of every film that we t- discuss, um, these both of these films are just sort of like ingrained in the back of my mind. It's just sort of white noise that I watched thousands of times on Comedy Central when I oh, was a absolutely. teenager. Yeah, I mean, it's like Bola Cap and Crunch, uh, just got home from high school, and I'm just like, gotta have my, my afternoon jerk-off before I get started on the evening jerk-off. And right. and evolutions on TV always so uh, yeah it's uh, it's pretty ingrained there are definitely scenes and we'll get into this that I feel like my child brain when I was like twelve or thirteen have like specific almost sense memory of of, of certain scenes in this film so uh, well let's just jump into it uh, so uh, why don't I go ahead and summarize this for anyone who hasn't seen evolution so okay, that's fine so evolution is about uh two professors uh somewhat washed up professors at uh i guess it's a college i mean a community certain, college yeah a community college yeah um and it's the movie opens much like mars attacks with uh a something hurtling towards earth and uh, we see a large impact as uh, our boy, our early 2000s boy, Sean William Scott, has his truck destroyed by uh, sort of hurtling meteorites. And these two professors hear about it and go to the scene and figure out that the meteorite actually has living material on it. It has just like a, a goop that they collect and find out has single-celled organisms, and they learn is evolving, thus the movie, which the, I'll tell you, in terms of movies that say the title of it, this one 
hits up in the top tier, I would say. Up in the upper echelon of movies that repeat the title of the film over and over and over. Um, so the creatures, these alien creatures, uh, are evolving super quick from single-celled to multi-celled organisms to little bugs to little, like, dog-sized creatures to finally all the way up to giant, like, pterodactyl things and big monkeys and all that stuff. Um, and so it becomes a threat to the city. They're in, what, Arizona, I think? Yes, um, correct. And uh, so this team of professors, as well as a hot scientist working for the government, and two bumbling fat idiots from his class, and Sean William Scott, who's an aspiring firefighter, all team up to uh, try and defeat the impending alien race. Right. And, uh, of course, because the military gets involved, that now it's like a race against time, I guess? Yeah, um... Very compelling. Well, uh, also, I'll also tell you what this film actually is. This film is actually, um, what if Peter and Winston from Ghostbusters were in Men in Black? That's what this movie is. <laughs> oh boy, are you gonna are you gonna give up the goose so quick? I'm That's, sure we both came to a very similar points about yeah. this movie. Well, let me let me back up by saying that um, from the research I was able to do, uh, that this apparently started as a much more serious. Um, kind of alien, not quite horror film, but much more seriously toned. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, for whatever reason, they figured that just wasn't going to work. So they uh, write, wrote in doo-doo and caca jokes to make <laughs> to make it so, so funny uh, and, and release that instead. So uh, your comparison to... Dr. Peter Venkman is not even subtle in any way. I mean, like, Venkman's character introduction in Ghostbusters, literally the first thing you see before you even see his character is, like, Venkman burn in hell written on his office window. Mm -hmm. And so you know from scene one that he's a guy who will, like, unapologetically fuck your wife. Right. Um, and that's the same way that David Duchovny's character is introduced. Like, there's, like, some soldier who tries to, like, accost him because he ruined his marriage or whatever. Like, well, he, not... made him, he, he made him... It was a little more subtle than that, Tian. You might have missed it in, in the, uh, you know, the uh, context that was going on. The soldier was upset with him because uh, David Duchovny's character created a vaccine for anthrax that ended up making them go doo-doo a lot in their, in their diapy. And so that's why he was so upset with him. But oh, also, no. But also I will point out that uh, probably the example of the most exposition-heavy introduction I have seen in quite some time is David Duchovny's entrance in this film. Because it's like uh, in his classroom, it's like a big lecture hall, and he's like, oh, I know that you know all of you students are going to be shocked to find out that a single you know, bachelor science teacher making only $17,000 a year found time to grade your papers, but I did and I'm super laid back and I don't give a shit. So everybody has A's and it's like, Oh, what a cool teacher. But here's the thing. As soon as you, as soon as you hear that Ivan Reitman was the one who directed this, you're automatically going to draw comparisons to other films that he's made. That's just human nature. However, this film does that no favors. It does not help. That it's like, oh, but by the way, it's super Peter Venkman and Winston. I mean, I don't think 
that there's any there there's truly no doubt in my mind that Ivan Reitman maybe thought he had another Ghostbusters on his hands and was about to like kick off his next franchise. Agreed. Agreed. Um and, and I think to the extent of which the movie's logo, the three-eyed smiley face, like appears at the end of the movie to almost kind of like ingrain it in your mind, like, hey, don't you want a patch of this on your jacket right next to your no ghost? But it's not gonna be a Yeah, basically. yeah, alright. So so all right, I guess let's start from the beginning. What what are your opinions on this film here? Zach? Well, one of the things, again, as I was doing my research that I found out was that uh, Julianne Moore, I guess her input as an actress was to make her character very oopsie-daisy clumsy. Um, in her in her opening, um, you know, scene, she, like, trips and falls and eats shit and, like, her, her panties pop out or whatever and David Duchovny and Orlando Jones are like, oh, damn, woman! Um... That was apparently her suggestion, was to be very clumsy and goofy. And when I first read that, before I sat down and watched the movie for the thousands and one time, I was like, ugh! Because that's a big trope in movies. Like, like, oh, busy women are so clumsy. Ha 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 ha. How is she going to find a boyfriend? She can't even walk right. Ha 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 Like, that kind of thing. So I rolled my eyes until I watched the movie, and I was like, thank Christ she brought that to the table. Because otherwise, she would have had no character at all. There would be just nothing. Well, that's the thing. I feel like she probably suggested that, and they were like, yeah, that's a great idea. We'll do that once, right, at the beginning. And then the rest, and then she's just stonewall the rest of the whole damn movie. Like, she's like the hard-faced business bitch or whatever. The rest of the movie, gotta gotta crack her open to get the meat inside or whatever. Another trope, obviously. Um, But... The, the the fact is her introduction being her tripping and her like garter being exposed is such a poor introduction for what you think this character is going to be you're like oh this is going to be this very like goofy uh like sort of whoopsie daisy whatever character and it's she's not that's like the only scene where there's any amount of like goofy whoopsie that's the only one that really draws attention to it there's a couple of other times where like she kind of like trips or bonks into something but yeah that's the only one that's like huh? and then everything else is just like anyway she's gonna be a bitch um also yeah like it was very weird so another thing is this is like if ghostbusters was made but not with cast members of saturday Night live it was if ghostbusters was made with cast members of mad tv because you've got <laughs> so many like supporting like you know characters that were all like Mad TV alumni, which there's nothing wrong with Mad TV. I thought Mad TV was fine, but it was just very weird just to kind of see like that. It, that dated it more than anything else to me, even beyond the CGI. Um, I will also say, if I'm going to give the film credit anyway, the creature, the actual tangible creature effects were actually pretty good. The CG is a little yeah. dated, but like there's a creature that evolves and becomes. Oh, I said it. Uh, there's a creature that evolves what? and it's like swimming around in the water of a, a golf course and comes out and attacks a guy and it just dies off screen. But when they bring it in, they like bring it into David Duchovny's lab and they're like, here you go. And it's just a big rubber fucking thing, but it's like dump it on the table, but it looks pretty good. Like when they dump it yeah. on the table, you're like, that's actually a pretty good creature. So there yeah. were some moments like that where some of the creature effects were actually pretty decent. And instead they all got like 
super thrown the back seat because they're like, ah, we CG'd the thing and it squiggles around and it's fine. Um, right, so, so here's one way that I would like to maybe approach perhaps both of these movies, okay. um, at least for a second, is the scenes that pop out to you when you objectively think about it as a movie, maybe before a recent viewing that you have seen a lot, scenes that 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 just kind of stick with you. Because there are a few for me with this, and I'm curious well, what... Tien, again, I don't know why you feel the need to, to wax poetic when, when you know, you could just get right to the point. If you want to talk about pulling a bug out of Orlando Jones' asshole, just say, <laughs> hey, I want to talk about that scene. That's all you got to say. Okay, I was just embarrassed. I just, I really wanted to talk about it, though. No, that's, that's, the, that's the scene, man. That's the big, in every that's trailer, scene. in every whatever that's the scene and let's watch orlando jones get his butthole torn out like that's and and like that and let me of... say it 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 holds up i was <laughs> it aids like a fine i was line. i was laughing my ass off no um, here's the thing it's a lot of this movie feels reverse engineered meaning like we had an ending point and then we were like all right well but how do we get there like, the ending, for example, is, I think, the whole reason why Sean William Scott is just randomly trying to be a firefighter. It's like, yeah. It's like, they had this idea, and then they were like, well, how the hell do we get a fire truck there? Uh, Sean William Scott wants to be a fireman. Same thing with this. They were like, oh my god, we gotta do a scene where they pull an alien out of Orlando Jones' asshole. Well, how do we do that? Well, um, they're, they're gonna come back to the site where the meteor hit, and they're gonna be in, like, you know, protective suits. And then for no reason, nothing has like predicated this in any way. One of the alien creatures will have like a buzzsaw beak so that it can cut into the suit just randomly, by the way, like it just has such a level of this one mosquito creature has such a level of sentience that it's like, aha, I know I have to cut into this costume in order to buzz about Orlando Jones and make what the funny haha. So I'm going to do that now. <laughs> and so it just does that. And now, oh, you know, he's in the hospital and oh, they're going to cut the leg. They're going to amputate the leg to pull the thing out. Uh, oh, wait, it crawled back up into his, into his booty hole. Ah, oh, keep the leg, keep the leg, get rid of the leg. <laughs> oh boy. What a comedy. Ivan Reitman, you've done it again. It definitely feels like one of those scenes that uh, you'll see mentioned in like a 2019 uh, why the early 2000s was problematic and yes. evolution is hashtag canceled. Because it, it, it is one of those things that's like, isn't it hilarious that this man is about to have his asshole invaded uh, in order to get this bug out of here? Um, and that is, and to be fair, it's very funny. And right. I laughed a lot. Um, well, what, but yeah, one of the you things would I was thinking it. of mm -hmm. too was the 1998 mummy showed us that if you're cool like Brendan Fraser, you can take a knife and stick into the leg and pull, you know, the the scarab out. So I was like, why aren't they just doing that? Why are they like, oh, we're definitely have to cut this man's leg off? Why? Why would you need to do that? Also, did you know that the original ending for the film, and I'm not fucking making this up at all. I wish I was. The original ending was, ah, we got rid of the aliens. Good job, everybody. Wait a minute. 
Orlando Jones is pregnant. Oh no! The mosquito alien laid eggs in his butthole. That was originally the ending for the film. And then they screwed Why it. didn't they keep that? I'm sure they did. And then finally, like, the movie theaters themselves were like, we're not playing this trash. We gotta go get a DVD copy of Evolution right now and find that deleted ending. Although My I will God. say, as much as we're being snarky and taking a big doo-doo on this doo-doo film, um, Orlando Jones saying great Guga Muga did make me laugh. Like, genuinely I mean, made me laugh. Because they go, that, they go, come up over a hill and there's a bunch of dead creatures because they're trying to figure out how to breathe uh, earth air. And his reaction is great Guga Muga. And I was like, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty um, good. I'm not saying it's like a classic. I'm not saying it's the next who's on first. But I'm just saying like, yeah, it's pretty good. So I feel like the other thing that people really think of when they are remembering evolution, we haven't mentioned it yet, is that if if ever evolution were just to come up in like a public square, someone is going to be like the head and shoulders movie. That's true. They the, And again, it's that reverse engineering of like, oh, well, you know they figure out this like periodic table game where it's like, Oh, well this is arsenic to humans. So therefore this must be, you know, poison to the aliens. Well, what has that in it? And it's like, Oh, well if you Google it, head and shoulders is the only thing that comes up. Okay. We'll check and make sure that they're okay with it. Cause we're definitely going to use that. Like, and by the way, kids, I fully encourage you to just kind of randomly play that same periodic table game at home. You know, look at oxygen and then look at something that's safe for humans to consume. Like draw a line and then move to something else and draw the same line and just drink whatever yeah, you that's find. What that, that's how science works. Yeah, that is absolutely how science works. I mean, they show you multiple times. This is how science works. And I believe it. I fully believe that uh, Orlando Jones understands like well, how a microscope works well that was the other thing too is is you know uh david duchovny rattled off some techno babble several times throughout the film but really neither him nor orlando jones really seemed like teachers at all like in a similar sense as like indiana jones is like well you know he's a teacher it's like really this guy is a teacher he doesn't really come off as like a teachery type it's more just like, what is he teaching kids exactly? What what insight is he giving him other than like, here's how to drink... Our... In David Duchovny's case, it's like, yes, yes, we're going to talk about science, but also, here's how to get Sarah Silverman in bed. Boom! Like, they're both just <laughs> kind of fratty weirdos. And then, okay, another example of reverse engineering. They need to figure out how to get fire into a Petri dish with the alien thing in it so that it can show that it even... It, it grows even more rapidly when heat is applied. Well, how do we get fire in there? All right, for no reason in this one scene, Orlando Jones's character smokes. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously the movie reeks of early two thousands, but I feel like now. Why do there... you say that? Why do you say that? What is it? Is it like? Is it the Power Man five thousand? Non ironically in the soundtrack, is it? What about it reeks of early two thousands? Is it the cast? It's uh, well, it's not only the cast, but it's it's the way that the cast is like implementing the comedy. I mean, I feel like I feel like there was this fear in the early two thousands that dude bros didn't like to funny haha anymore, and so they were trying to just write as many kind of like cool dude who makes fart jokes and looks at the titties characters into these comedies, yeah. and that's why you got like a whole swath of like 
teen sex comedies and shit in the early 2000s. True. Um, and this is no exception. I feel like Sean William Scott's character is like, man. Oh, this, is, this is prime dude wears my car oh, Sean William yeah. Scott. Like he is oh, in yeah. full Stifler mode. He is full Stifler. And, uh, and there's just, I feel like I can read, I feel like I can hear the table read during certain scenes. Like, when they're in the mall and Sean is, like, singing to try and attract the giant pterodactyl alien. And David Duchovny's like, that's it, I'm gonna shoot him. And Orlando Jones is like, no, I've got this one. And I I feel like I literally can hear them sitting at a table reading off of a script. Like, reading that for the first time. Like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Don't need to change that. Yeah, that's perfect in one take. Yeah, and... and it just, I don't know. The the movie... The other thing is, okay, let me talk about what my actual problem with this film is. Is David Duchovny and Orlando Jones hog up all the character stuff. Meaning, the movie super gives them plenty of quips and dialogue and character development in the whole nine yards. And literally nobody else does. Like, Julianne Moore is literally... The, the tripping fall down bitch lady. Buffalo Bill is the like unwavering asshole army guy whose solution to everything is just blow it up. Um, Dan Aykroyd is just uh, Zelensky the auto parts king from Tommy Boy. Like everyone's just like a one sentence character except for David Duchovny and Orlando Jones who are like kind of the same character. They're both like these slacker scientist teacher people. Um, oh, and the other thing I had that was a problem was they, again, to the table read, there's a part where when Orlando Jones and David Duchovny has fir- have first discovered this alien species, he's like, oh man, we got to keep this top super duper secret. And Orlando Jones like, we shouldn't tell the government. And David Duchovny's like, oh, I know those people. We definitely don't want to do that. Which in that is like an eye rolly sort of like, ha ha ha, remember the X-Files? He was in the X-Files. But then literally the entire movie goes in that direction of like, no, he does know the government. He used to be in the government. And I was like, okay, that's, we went, okay. You literally hired him because he was in the X-Files and ha ha ha, he's in, a, he's in an alien movie. Only to turn around and be like, that's it, that's the whole thing. No, I, I I completely agree, and I think the main issue here with with the whole Ghostbusters thing is like unapologetically the climax of the film is Ghostbusters. Yeah, I mean it's literally like, oh my god, the giant thing came out of the ground. H- how are we gonna deal with this? We're kind of a newly formed crew of you know misfits. How can we possibly take this giant threat on? We did it, now we're covered in goop, let's all celebrate. Yeah. I mean, beat for beat, it's the ending of Ghostbusters. Including the, uh, you know, alleged ending of Ghostbusters where during the press, you know, uh, (laughs) coverage of, oh my god, the Ghostbusters saved the day, uh, Peter Vinkman and uh, uh, Dana Barrett go and fuck in a goddamn car while everyone's like, but where are they to have their interview? Also, I've never believed a, a, re, a line reading less than Julianne Moore turning and looking at David Duchovny and going, by the way, I would have rocked your world in bed. Like, I, I, I have believed nothing less than that. I have believed, <laughs> like... 
Yeah, no, I can't really imagine that. Despite her role in uh, in Boogie Nights, yes, uh, could could not really put myself in that headspace in the moment there. Um, here's my question as we kind of move into our final thoughts here. When did Dan Aykroyd evolve from someone who could deliver a line naturally as if he were a character in that moment to always being the crystal head salesman that he currently is today <laughs> spouting he, off about conspiracies? He did, he did just sort of commit to that. But he stopped being uh, an actor per se and more just became like a weird hype man. Yeah. Uh, that's absolutely what he is in this movie. So you're 100% correct there. Like, it is used car salesman all day. Um, so, let's, okay. so, let's, so let's really get into, like, okay, so let's talk about what worked for the movie, what worked for you in this movie, and what absolutely didn't work for you. Because I, okay. think, I think there are some elements that are okay, but it obviously as a whole, so, not too much. So I think the premise works for me just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I like the idea... I like the premise. Um, it works okay for me. Um, I guess there are a few character moments that work for me as well. I certainly don't hate David Duchovny's character. No. Like I, I am a straight white male, so therefore it does its job of I'm like, oh, well, he's cool. Like, I could be him. Right. Nice. Um, <laughs> but that said, uh, most other things don't work for me. Um, I think the scene that you just mentioned which is the end of the movie that leads into the evolution logo popping up on the screen being that they cannot wait one second longer to have steamy, filthy sex in a fire truck. They cannot wait for Dan Aykroyd to give them a commendation. They have to go fuck right now. That doesn't work for me. My eyes rolled, my eyes rolled back into my head and have not come back yet. I am blind. It's a little spooky. Yes. Um, and, uh, uh, I guess, um, the head and shoulders thing doesn't really work for me either. Like I get, I, I, I under, I comprehend the joke. Hey, 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 that joke was apparently brought up by Ivan Reitman's son who's making Ghostbusters three. So you better learn to like it because that's what oh, we're getting no. in a sequel. You son of a bitch. Oh no. Um, I, I, that's about it. I, I really, I think most of this movie in like just has aged really terribly. And, you know and what, I'm certain. You know what this yeah. film also reminded me a great deal of? And I haven't, mm-hmm. and this is not one that like I've seen a bunch is, uh, this reminded me of like a B level, uh, Mars attacks of just like, yeah. here's a lot of comedic actors all together. And here's like this big CG menace. Um, and and it's and it's just sort of dumb, and that's kind of what I felt about this. I also, to your point about like the if if you were to really analyze uh, evolution in today's culture, I definitely think the amount of uh, ha 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 he's a black guy kind of jokes is is kind of problematic uh, with Orlando Jones. Um, they call him he's his name is Doctor Harry Block, and they call him Mister Black a few times, and he's like, how dare you and and David Duchovny's like, you got to learn to talk to the white man. And he's like, I'm going to kick the white man's ass. Like, there's a lot of those jokes, which, which if they were good, I'd be like, oh man, like if it like Blazing Saddles, you watch that and you're like, oh, you couldn't make that movie today. This it's like, yeah, you shouldn't make this movie today. Cause it's not, it wasn't good then. And it wouldn't be good now. 
And here's the thing. Um, so your comparison to Mars Attacks is interesting to me because I think on paper, there's not an element of Mars Attacks aside from perhaps aesthetic and design mm -hmm. that it does significantly better than evolution. Really, when you break it down, like the premise, the acting, the humor, like there's not a lot that really, that it just head, head over head and shoulders. Whoa, um, he said it, folks. There it is. <laughs> oh, there it is. Now we can wrap, ladies and gentlemen. No, um, that, that it really uh, succeeds over evolution. So the question is, um, 20 years from now, when we get as far away from evolution as we currently are from Mars Attacks, will we look back more fondly on it because we have some sort of affection, we saw it when we were younger, etc., or is it still going to be as cringy as it was this time around? Well, like I said, I think Mars Attacks has, has really kind of aged somewhat better. We'll have to watch it in another episode to find out for sure, but this is absolutely not. Like, Evolution, I watched it and I was like, woof, this is... It, it really... I think the greatest crime that Evolution commits is how forgettable it is with the exception of let's pull a bug out of orlando jones's bum bum there's really not a lot that super stands out or or sticks in your mind you know I, i'm having trouble sort of recounting plot points from it already and and i just watched it the other day like you know it's it's not it doesn't stick with you like ghostbusters does or like another top comedy of like a ragtag group kind of coming together and maybe part of that is because the creatures that they're going against are so they're not interesting looking necessarily i shouldn't say that some of the actual creature effects are, are pretty interesting like i said earlier but like the ghosts in ghostbusters like imagine the scolari brothers like that's a very interesting look to that creature aesthetic a lot of these are like oh it's an amoeba or oh it's a it's a flatworm like, that's not, you know, nobody's buying a t-shirt that's yeah. got that on it. That's true. That's true. I mean, even the more evolved creatures, it's just like a big blue monkey. Like, it's like, it's not, I a don't fuzzy know, monkey not... with no nose. Thank you, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, if you, uh, if you put that on, like, an enamel pin, I don't know that anyone no. would recognize that as a creature from evolution. Now, do you have, um, um do you have, do, do you think that if they had kept it a more serious feature, do you think it would have worked a little better, or... Do you think it was always destined to be just a big doo-doo mess? I think destiny finds us all oh. and uh, and I don't I don't think it would have necessarily been improved. I'd have to do a little more research in terms of what else was coming out in terms of serious sci-fi at the time to see if it would have been perhaps more forgettable. And maybe that's why part of the change happened is that there was like a couple other kind of serious sci-fi or horror movies coming out around that time. And uh, No one's going like, to watch this film unless Sean William Scott gets banged in the ding-ding by a fire hose. That's the only way yeah. we're going to get butts and seats. That's... Correct. And you know what? I think they were right. That because was we same. had this masterpiece on our hands now. Sure. Well, any, any final, final thoughts about evolution? Um, no. <laughs> Orlando, Jones, okay. Orlando Jones climbed <laughs> in an alien's asshole to end the film. So imagine if, to beat the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, if Ray had to climb in its asshole to defeat it. Also, That's called theming and that's a it's his motif it's his character it's called a character arc zach okay, all right fair enough he had to he had to redeem himself and he did okay well there you go that's all that's, right that's it yeah thank you all right
Well, let's take a break. You, you, you will believe a man can climb in an alien's asshole. You will. In an alien's asshole, no one can hear you scream. Let's take a oh, break. So much better. So much better. Damn it. Why did we save it for the end? Now, in uh, a very elegant segue from talking about Ghostbusters, we can go ahead and let you guys know that Zach and I have, in fact, gone to... Universal Orlando's Halloween Horror Nights this year, where there is indeed a Ghostbusters attraction. And so what we like to do is give a little bit of our feedback about this year, uh, maybe compare and contrast opinions on a few houses and events this year, and yeah. uh, kind of talk about what we think. So, Zach, why don't you uh, get us kicked off here, buddy? Well, like uh, like Tian pointed out, uh, one of the uh, haunted houses, the haunted attractions at uh, Halloween Horror Nights this year uh, well, obviously, a lot of them are based on films, because Universal has the budget to do that. And mm. so, one of them was a Ghostbusters house. Now, um, as far as I can tell, I think this system kind of sort of developed when they did American Werewolf in London a few years back. But basically, for certain houses, they'll do, essentially, you walk through the whole movie. Like, scene for scene, you go through the whole film. Um... And I say American Werewolf in London just because that's the first one that I can remember where it wasn't so much a, hey, here are various scenes or references to the movie. And it was more so like, no, you're starting in the bar and you're going to end up, you know, through the movies and da 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 and, and the hospital and the transformation and the whole nine yards, like going in order. So same thing here with Ghostbusters. You're literally going through the movie. You, you start at uh, the library. You go through the fire station. You know, uh, you go through Dana's apartment. That you hear Walter Peck be an asshole. You know, there's all kinds of. Uh, you, you basically just go through the, the highlights of the film, and to the point where it wasn't even that scary necessarily. But I do feel like it should be a year-round attraction, because Ghostbusters originally was an attraction at at Universal Studios, and I feel like this could easily work as a year-round attraction, just because it's not quite as horrifying or scary as typical haunted houses, but it is so interesting to be able to walk through and be like, oh my god, there's Gozer, oh my god, there's Stay of Marshmallow Man. Um, it looked really great, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was super, it, it did, it, it checked off all the boxes it needed to check off. You felt like you were in the movie, you were like, oh, every scene, you're like, oh, this scene! Everything worked really well, it had some really interesting ghost effects. Um, I think it could work as a year-round attraction. I agree with you. Um, so to give a little more context about that, uh, Halloween Horror Nights in Hollywood does in fact have a year-round haunt there and has for many years. For a long time it was their House of Horrors attraction, which was a standalone haunted house, and that had kind of evolved through various properties over the years. Like it started, I, I think it, its beginnings was a mummy haunted house, like a Brendan Fraser mummy haunted house. And then it did like a Van Helsing thing for a long time. That was really, really popular. And uh, there was a couple others like in the interim there. But Van Helsing was really what pushed it overboard to be like, oh, people kind of still like our classic monsters. Let's turn this into a classic monster haunted house with some other modern things like Chuck and shit thrown in there um and that stood there for years um they finally tore it down but i guess there was enough pushback on them having a year-round haunt that they decided to go ahead and build a walking dead uh year-round attraction wolf. which is still there yeah wolf indeed uh to this day is still there and in a way is kind of almost marketed as the 
plus one house you get when you go to Halloween Horror Nights. Like, their daytime haunted house. It's like, oh, this is also on the list. Like, it's a haunted house we have. Um, and yeah, I agree. I think that, uh, well, A, I think that we would be heads and tails above Hollywood if our year-round haunt was Ghostbusters as opposed to Walking Dead. Yes. Um, well, And I want to say, I want to make very clear, because you're absolutely, all your points have been absolutely correct thus far. And I don't, this isn't just like a, oh, I, I love me some, you know, Ghostbusters and therefore... That's why it should be the one. I'm saying that of all the haunted attractions, that one makes the most sense to me because, as I said, it's got history in the park because there used to be a Ghostbusters stage show. And it's still, like, family-friendly enough that, like, you could take younger kids through and they wouldn't necessarily come out traumatized. Yeah. So it's not just like, oh, my fate. Like, I'm not going to say the same for, like, when we talk about the House of Thousand Corpses house, I'm not going to be like, that should be a year-round attraction. No, because that's going to traumatize people. In this yes. case, Ghostbusters is still somewhat harmless enough that, you know, it, it can be... It would work, I think, in my opinion. And and the marketability, the the merchandising, you know, you've you've got options to to run with in that, in that regard. Now, what was your overall, since you are much more of a connoisseur of the haunted attractions, what did you think of Ghostbusters? How did it stack up in your opinion to other haunted attractions? Did they do it justice? What did you think? It's, it's pretty high on my list this year. I mean, uh, I, I'm not someone that's pretentious enough about haunted houses that I'm only going to kind of side with the originals or kind of, uh, issue like the IPs because that's not classic horror nights. They never used to, you know, pay Sony or whoever to lend their IP for the year to build a screen accurate haunted house. I mean, to be fair, I I do think that that does a serious injustice to the history of Halloween Horror Nights that has always involved like horror films in some way. It just was never the level of like marketing and actually buying out the property. They right. just used to just kind of do it under the table and be like, "Look, it's a scream room," but we didn't pay anybody to do this. Um, so uh, I I like it quite a bit. Um, I agree with you. It is a little more family friendly. I think that. Uh, uh, I, I'm not someone who believes that I need to hoard Halloween Horror Nights and, you know, people that don't already like it shouldn't, you know, be encouraged to go. Like, I'm not one of those fans that says, like, it's busy enough as it is. Stay out of here. Like, I'm, f- like, fine. Do Stranger Things. Like, invite new people that have never done the event before. That's fine. I, I like that. And this is definitely a haunted house that I feel does that. That I'm sure there are people who have never done the event who are just huge fans of kind of, you know, like 80s cults, you know, comedies and sci-fi, and they went this year to do Ghostbusters. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. And in terms of your point about haunted houses that walk through beat by beat the movie versus being scenes, I will say that Ghostbusters and American Werewolf in London, as films, lend themselves better to that structure. There are movies that Horror Nights has done that do not lend themselves to that at all. I mean, Exorcist is a huge example. It's entirely set in one room, and it's a slow build, That's like, true. slow burn, ramp up movie. You can't just, like, structure the whole haunted house like that. It had to be, hey, we're kicking straight off. Reagan's possessed. Here we go. She's coming down the stairs. She's spider walking. Um, and then from there, had to go into a lot of kind of artsy representation of iconic things about the movie because you can't just walk through the same room 30 times. You can walk through it six times like you do in the haunted house. Right. Um, 
So, uh, so yeah, so, so I don't necessarily prefer one way over the other. I just understand that there are films and properties that you can't necessarily beat by beat hit the story, uh, as well as, uh, as Ghostbusters and American Werewolf did. Yeah. Well, and, and like, I remember there being a, a John Carpenter's thing house, which started just as a scene in a different, uh, you know, uh, a different house the year prior. But they mm-hmm. spiraled it into a full one. But it was just sort of like, hey, here's random scenes from, you know, the the film. It wasn't quite as like the, you're starting and you're in McCready's, you know, uh, shack and he pours booze on the computer and calls it a cheating bitch. Like, it didn't go quite as chronologically as it could have. But I think this has been sort of a long time coming. But I agree. it's They seem to be picking house uh, properties that they're like, this could easily, you know become a haunted attraction in this order sort of a deal right 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 yeah we've seen a lot of recent examples of both ways there and so i I won't like take a stance about which way is better like pick a movie that's got a real clear plot that you can follow throughout a haunted house or pick a movie that just has a lot of iconic like scenes and moments that you can sort of represent in different ways something like poltergeist um so uh, it's uh, the, they they both can create a good haunt for sure now uh so out of the rest of the haunts you did um cuz you didn't do everything right right correct okay well, so uh, how many did you do uh i think i ended up doing 3 or 4 okay so you did ghostbusters you did what else i did house of a thousand corpses i did um graveyard games and the um, Universal Monsters. Okay, so those four. Yes. Okay. Um, all right, so then let's move clockwise around the park. So what did you think of House of Thousand Corpses? Which, let me just say uh, uh, straight out of the gate here, that uh, I think it was actually our last episode that we made a joke about Sid Haig being an old mummy in clown makeup at conventions, and I feel really bad about no, that. No, so. that aged great. What are you talking about? That's a Oh, that's yeah, fine. you're right. That's, that's the evolution of... <laughs> Of jokes about that Sid Haig's age. You're correct. Um, yes, absolutely. No, I thought I, I of course, a big fan of that movie, um, and I obviously enjoyed the aesthetic of the entire house and things like that. However, I think that the my issue with it was that they wanted to do the typical "we're going to go through the whole movie start to finish." but either didn't have enough space or wanted to include too many things or whatever the case was, I felt like it was way too jammed in. Like you, it, and it, I didn't even have a moment to appreciate what scene I was in before the next scene was like banging down the door. And I'm like, okay, all right, fine. Right. So that was my big criticism of it. Like for instance, uh, rain Wilson as the lo- as the, um, the merman was literally mm-hmm. tucked away in a corner as you were walking from one scene to another, because they were like, yeah, we, we don't have room for that to have its own spot. So here you go. It's right here. Um, so, so I will point counterpoint you on this one. Okay. Um, I think that the film is designed in such a way that it, uh, the film feels like a haunted house. The film feels like a ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and it's like a music video. And I think that the haunted house feels the same way. I think it matches the aesthetic of the film perfectly. I think the, uh, I, I appreciate deeply that you barely have a moment to like a pre to, to, to stop and look at anything before the next thing is accosting you and getting up in your face. I, I love that about the house. It feels absolutely insane. The pacing of it is just nuts. 
like you don't have a chance to breathe because the film is just shoving the the house is just shoving more shit down your throat like back to back and i love that about it um i i obviously i agree with you that probably some of the logistical reason of uh of uh you know like what why there weren't more scenes in it why there was no murder ride etc was because of space right but let me just say that's the best damn house they've ever put in that spot right there. You've only ever had terrible houses there. Okay. And, uh, and I think that they, they turned a negative, which is, hey, I wish we had more space. We could really fit more scenes in here into a positive of, well, this is going to feel nuts. And we're just going to keep just like, it's going to be a sensory overload. Right. Um, they're not going to be able to concentrate on anything. They're going to be in Otis's room and then behind them is going to be baby singing on stage from three scenes later in the movie. Um, and they won't even be able to focus on anything. Like the, you're right. The 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 fish boy is a transition between scenes, and you're trying to like stop and look at it for a second, and then oh my god, you're in baby's room all of a sudden. Right. So, uh, yeah. No, I, I will I, say I, I did enjoy. I thought all the actual uh, character actors, to use terminology, uh, mm-hmm. I thought they all did a really great job. I really did. There was a lot of. You know, a lot of scenes where they'd have to step out, say something crazy, and then go back. And not just, like, in a booga-booga sense, but in, like, a, like you said, Baby having to sing, or Otis, you know, rambling about something, you know, or Dr. Satan, you know, with his big robot arms. Like, there was a lot of moments where there was actual acting. It wasn't just like, did you get your prostate checked, as I yelled uh, when I was auditioning for Hollow Scream. Um, there was, uh, uh, there was actual acting in it and I was very impressed with all that. And the Captain Spaulding at the very beginning, you know, all, you know, kind of pantomiming along with what's going on and really doing a great job of, of capturing that. Yeah. I've since paid my respects to that actor at the beginning here. Um, but, uh, yeah, this year actually kind of has some of the longest, triggered audio scares I've ever heard. I mean, in Ghostbusters, there's a stance that comes out and delivers his whole line about what Slimer is. It's like a 30-second line of dialogue, and he pops out and says the whole thing. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of, like, long dialogue this year in various houses. Um, yeah, so, okay. House of Lesser Let's move right along here. Um, so, uh, uh, Universal Monsters. What'd you think? Loved it. That was my favorite house of the whole... Uh... Of the whole night, um, be- did you see the the, the, the transitions? Um, because that's like my I think that's the most f- finely executed thing I've seen them do in a while. Um, I don't know what what exactly are you referring to? Well, the transitions between the monster scenes all have kind of some really intelligently designed uh, way of moving you to the next scene without being as abrupt. Like there are some that aren't super smooth, but for instance. When you walk from Egypt with the mummy into the Phantom's Lair, his wallpaper in the Phantom's Lair is kind of Egyptian looking. Yes. And so that's like your first transition. And then when you go from the Phantom into Frankenstein, there's the giant chandelier crash and it's buzzing with electricity, which just moves you right through into the like electricity humming in the lab. Yes. Uh, and I will say that the, the Universal Monsters house. I could absolutely sit and just like study like that. Just like you're pointing out now, just the detail and the thought put into it blew me away. Um, and I loved the fact that you did get the transitions and you got a beat or two before they jumped into whatever the next scare was. So like, for instance, when you walked through the Phantom of the Opera uh, area, 
you got a couple of steps in where you saw all the candelabras and the mirrors and you saw everything kind of laid out. It wasn't just you took a step in and then it was, Booga Booga, it's a phantom! It was like, okay, you got a couple steps in and then, oh my god, we're in the phantom's lair. And, you know, he's taking his mask off and his face looks real yucky. I appreciated that. I appreciated that less was more in terms of really making sure that you were established where you were before you, you before the first jump scare necessarily. Right. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that a lot. Um, I, I'd say the beginning of that house is one of my favorite intros this year in terms of uh, a graveyard full of statues of the classic monsters. Yes. One of them is missing. You turn the corner and there's like a stone version of the Wolfman. He's moving. So you're now introduced to the fact that, oh, those statues are now coming to life. I'm about to see all of them. And it's just such a lovely kind of point to point of, hey, one of these statues is missing. Where's the Wolfman? There he is. He's alive. Right. And then you see like a silhouette of him. And then he has this really great uh, like zip line jump scare where he can move from platform to platform and just get right. And in I your loved face. the uh, the crypt that said Talbot that he like jumped out of. That made me happy. Yeah. I also yes. liked that the last scare in the uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon <clears throat> section was just his arm. Because yeah. that's very reminiscent to not only, you know, um, they, there's like a. Uh, a plot point about like a fossilized arm or something like that but also the um just the original like advertising for creature of the black lagoon had a lot of like him swiping at the camera and like the big arm kind of cr crawling coming out of the water so i appreciated that i i really did that was my favorite house this year um yeah although i would Good. say i still feel like ghostbusters would make a better year-round attraction but um but i did enjoy i, I did enjoy the universal monsters quite a bit and let's round out with Graveyard Games, which uh, I will say is my favorite house this year. Interesting. Okay. Now, I feel like I didn't get the best run-through of it. That can say. happen to those of you that aren't super familiar with the Haunted Houses. I mean, obviously, uh, with Halloween Horror Nights, they're trying to accommodate as many guests as possible, so it is quite conga line -y. And uh, usually the reset on you know an actor is like three to five seconds. Um, so there is a chance that you could be in a part of the line where you're just going to kind of miss them. So there, there are cer for certainly bad walkthroughs of a Haunted House. Right. And this wasn't awful, but there was just a lot, like, I just kind of fell out of sync with the house in terms of, like, scares would either right. be... 100 feet ahead of me or they would be a mile behind me and so i didn't i don't think i really got the best that it had to offer but that being said um i loved the whole gimmick of it i loved the setup for it i love that it kind of had like a lost boysy kind of feel to it um i did enjoy it a great deal but what about it for you made it your best uh house this year for me, and it's a shame that it wasn't timed out for you, it's, it is a very cinematic house to me. I think it tells a story extremely well. You don't need to know a whole lot going into it other than, hey, these kids are about to go and graffiti this old graveyard. Um, and from there, it, it tells this kind of like really darkly, almost if you were to stop and think about it for a second, kind of very scary and uh, like awful tale about these two kids being just horrifically murdered by these ghosts. Um, and it takes you through every beat of it. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you see the kid at the beginning, he kind of pops out of you. He's got a spray can. Then uh, later on, you see just his mask and the spray can laying on the floor. And then you find his girlfriend who's like full, like Samara from the ring, like jaw ripped open and she's holding her phone and her mom is on FaceTime with her, just like screaming in pure terror at like what, what has happened to her daughter. Um, and then you start to get introduced to 
well, what has done this to them? Like, well, apparently there's this kind of big ghost, well-known, like, throughout the graveyard, known as the Glowing Mother, um, that would offer protection to kids that wanted to come and stay in the graveyard if they, you know, needed to feel safe or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you fuck with her and she's gonna kill you. Um, and so you're introduced to her, um, you hear her voice, there's a scene where you walk through a hallway of candles, and you hear her say, why have you disturbed our place of rest? And then suddenly, you feel a gust of wind, and all the candles blow out down the hallway, and there's little tiny baby skeletons that, like, look up at you as that happens. Yeah, so, that was nuts. I did see so that. cinematic. Yeah. Um, and from there, you're like, you're straight into like, there's a scene in the past where it's like her children are there and they're alive again. Um, and you look up and the, the original, the boyfriend is like tied up by skeletons, like holding his, his spray can and just like completely torn apart. You go in the next room and there's his girlfriend and she's been, her body's been relocated and her phone is dead. And it's just so haunting. No pun intended. Um, and not only that, but I just think the aesthetic of it is very, like, Haunted Mansion. Like, there are literally urns kind of going off, like, shattering near the beginning. There's a coffin with chains around it, you know, just banging around. It's very Haunted Mansion. It's very classic Haunted House. I think it does everything you need a Haunted House to do. It it, it, it has interesting kind of big wow moments. It is scary. Um, it kind of it, it is classically a Haunted House I think it it just kind of checks off all the boxes for me. Excellent, yeah, and and I will say that it did certainly feel like it was telling the most story, like of all the 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 houses that weren't necessarily just films. Um, you know, it, it it certainly felt like it it was the most narratively driven, and it did have a lot of really interesting effects that I hadn't seen a lot of other houses do. So I will agree yeah. on that, even though I didn't necessarily get to see the uh the full i think scale of it i i was impressed and it actually kind of reminded me there was a couple moments that sort of reminded me of uh when you and i went to netherworld there was there was a couple yeah. um kind of scenes that that kind of reminded me of that of like okay yeah this is good um i also i will also say that i enjoyed the kind of quote unquote like pre-show element of it because as you're standing in line to go inside uh, graveyard games, there's like a little projector showcasing like kind of like a Twitter, Facebooky kind of scrolling uh, timeline kind of building up the context of this, of like, oh, these kids are trying to like outdo each other in terms of spray painting graveyards and dumb shit like that. And I enjoy that. I, I like any of the houses that do that. I didn't see terribly many doing it this year, but I remember there being like a Nightmare on Elm Street house that uh, yeah. that the entire lead up to it was like, oh, this is a sleep institute and we're running tests and da 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 da. And so like that gave you the story of, well, why is this going to be the, why is this the structure of it? Um, so I, I, I enjoyed that a great deal as well. Good. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, I mean, I did, obviously I've done the rest of the haunted houses. I mean, I'm really fond of a lot of them this year. Uh, I think that, uh, even like us, which I was super hesitant about, I think, uh, really hits the beats of the movie really well and turns what I thought was going to be a very boring setting into kind of makes me more fond of the movie, a movie that I was just kind of meh, you know, like blase about. Um, and it makes me like the movie more because it really hits a lot of those, uh, moments that I didn't really realize were iconic until seeing them 
performed by another actor. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Um, uh, what else? Uh, there's a couple of real spooksters up at the top of the park next to the Men in Black. You've got Nightingales, which is a sort of sequel haunted house to a house from 2011, I believe, uh, where it's about these creatures that sort of uh, come to historical times of lots of bloodshed. So the first one was set in World War One, and this one is set in like the gladiator battles of Roman times. Um, there's a really stinky house called Depths of Fear that's set in like a submarine with a bunch of stupid fish creatures that are so dumb and cumbersome in terms of the outfits. There's these giant anglerfish costumes that they actually removed 90% of the creatures from the house and now it's just their victims popping out of you, which I think is wild. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's not a great sign that like they were like, eh, yeah. these suck, let's just take them home. Yeah, so now it's literally just humans with boils on their faces. Like, oh, they're victims of the big fish. They had the eggs laid in them. It's really... It went from a weird but kind of disappointing house to just like a, wow, okay, well, completely forgettable. You don't have to do it at all. Um, and then there's a couple of great shows this year. I know you saw The Lagoon Show, which is uh, sort of a celebration of some of the properties this year. Killer Clowns including, which I haven't mentioned yet, which is a great house. Um, uh, so you, you enjoy that Lagoon Show? Yeah, actually, I, th I thought it was excellent. I mean, again, like we said, it's 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 basically just like a, a montage of all the licenses that they had this year. Um, so it's not necessarily like the most creative, you know, thing. It's not like they were like, ah, we're going to have like Vincent Price and we're going to tell this whole story. No, it's just like, mm, remember Ghostbusters? Remember Killer Clowns? Like, whatever. But it was I was really impressed with it. I was impressed with the technology of you know able to project onto water uh, able to project onto the buildings in the back um i was actually very impressed with it and i just gotten done you know i've just seen uh, illuminations at epcot the last time mm -hmm. uh for the for its final time before it's put in the theme park graveyard uh and, and just compare the difference there of just like hey it's a globe with leds on it and some fireworks versus hey here's a whole production you know kind of a thing with halloween horror nights i was impressed i really liked it what did you think Oh, it's great! I love it. it. It's 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 hype for sure. It, it it gets me very excited, and it and it and what it makes me think about is I don't know what they're going to do next year if not another return of this kind of '80s synthy theme because I think it works so well for horror nights. Yeah, I, that and is I, one that, thing I agree on. Yeah. I know that that was just sort of the aesthetic choice for this year, but I'm like, you could just keep that going. You could just keep yeah, that the like it's could. perpetually the the neon '80s, and I I think you'd be okay. Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. Uh, perfect. Okay. Uh, there's more to talk about, but my God, we are over time. So uh, let's just wrap here. Any final, final thoughts about Halloween Horror Nights? Yes, the scariest thing at Halloween Horror Nights was when that mosquito alien climbed to my body and they had to pull it out of my butthole in front of mm. uh, the Hulk coaster. That was real spooky. That's true, but that's sort of a premium experience. That's you have true. to pay for that. That, the, that yeah, that that's like VIP, an extra add-on. R.I.P. VIP. That's the R.I.P. experience, yeah. Yeah, Orlando Jones comes out with a giant pair of tongs. Yeah. Um, fantastic. All right, well, let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Frightful Failures. Uh, Tien Guignol, Zach Romero. So, in addition to forever changing the format of the show, we've done it once again. Not only are we comparing two films uh, as normal, but instead of an old film and a new film, we've picked two films from the same year. The black hole of cinema that was 2001. 
Uh, mm. We're talking about Monkey Bone, which is another staple of like Comedy Central midday programming. Uh, basically, after a car crash, uh, a offbeat cartoonist played by Brendan Fraser goes into a coma and ends up in sort of the like purgatory limbo where he meets up with his alter ego monkey bone and then is sent back to the world of the living out of purgatory with monkey bone possessing Brendan Fraser's body with the express purpose of causing mass amount of nightmares within people because I guess that's the movies of purgatory and the devil wants to see more of that. And so then in wacky hijinks ensue as Brendan Fraser is very early 2000s and very obnoxious and trying to market Monkey Bone as like a giant, as the new Mickey Mouse basically, at, in order to hatch his plan of giving people more nightmares with like this weird chemical compound. Meanwhile, real Brendan Fraser wins a way to get back to the land of the living through dead Chris Kattan. And uh, so then it's a battle between the two of them over basically the body of Brendan Fraser and and trying to stop the nightmare fuel from spreading. Very, very odd. Also, in addition to Evolution being uh, originally written as a more serious film, Monkey Bone is actually based off of a comic book uh, graphic novel called Dark Town, uh, mm. which... But uh, uh, much like with Evolution, it was just sort of the starting point. And then when somebody decided, oh, but what if it was real zany and wacky and funny? And that kind of was its undoing. Um, yeah. Uh, so I assume that I, I don't... I, I That's the first time I've heard that. Uh, so Darktown, I assume, is just kind of this big, crazy, aesthetic-filled, like, coma world with a lot of weird Correct. Exactly. Exactly. It, it basically ends... The Darktown thing ends... As soon as we get to Brendan Fraser is back in, or uh, Monkey Bone is in Brendan Fraser's body and is running amok. That's because basically the, when the, because... the comic book ends. <laughs> well, that that makes a lot of sense. That makes a ton of sense because that is a constantly surprisingly good part of the movie. Every, every time they go back to Purgatory is, is when they go to yeah to like the limbo world yeah. um, and. Uh, the creature design and the practical effects are all great. Um, and then you get back to the real world and Brendan Fraser is like swinging around like a monkey and, you know, like and you singing know, looking at house. boobs. Yeah. Yes. Um, that, uh, that the movie completely falls apart, but uh, okay. So, all right. So you, you, did you see this movie as a kid? Yes, I did. Okay. I remember it being advertised in like comic books and stuff like that. Like they were trying to get anybody and their mother to come see this movie. Yeah, I feel like the poster of this movie actually is one of the things that I do recall seeing a lot. Like, something about this version of Brendan Fraser, I feel like it's it's almost just as ingrained in my mind as Mummy Brendan Fraser in terms of what, what image pops straight into my head when I think about him is him in this movie here. Um... It did a lot of things for me as a child, for sure. Uh, I definitely, definitely deeply explored the idea of Rose McGowan's character in this movie. Deep. Yes, yes. Her I is, mean, her is listen. like this Catwoman, literally. Yeah. Uh, 
this was that that was a thing for me for like a long time. It still kind of is, to be honest oh, with boy. you. I mean, you you don't like that? I don't like the tone of your voice right now. I'll be honest with that. Like, Zach, don't listen. I don't. This is becoming a weird. I need a I need an adult ASMR, and I'm not into this. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I I do recall. There's a lot of, okay, so there's a lot of elements of this uh, to, to sort of speak on it in the way that I was trying to speak on evolution. Before, to think about before this, Rose McGowan sidetracked you. Yes, to think about this in, in, the, in the mind of a child, in the mind of a wee babe, um, I do remember being horrified at certain parts of this movie. There are certain effects that are very unsettling. I'd say a lot of the nightmare effects in this movie mm-hmm. are, are super weird, like for a kid. Um... And, and I do also remember, I I don't recall like what child me found hilarious. I don't, I don't distinctly recall finding all the butt and fart jokes in this, like insanely funny as a child, but I could be wrong. Uh, I mean, this watch through hilarious. I'll say that (laughs) like all of the fart stuff I was really into. This is a very poo-poo caca episode of Frightful Failures. It is, yeah. We're really getting into the main kind of overlay theme between evolution and monkey bone, which is yeah. farts and poop. That was so, 2001, baby. Yay, that's what you gotta do. You gotta have the big boobs, and then you gotta have somebody fart. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, okay, so what, what, what do you think about monkey bone? Let me get started the, here. Instead of... Uh, instead of immediately comparing it to Ghostbusters, I compare it to uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. In terms of, imagine if you're watching Nightmare Before Christmas and Jack going through Christmas Town and that how interesting that scene is. Imagine if that was like the first like third of the movie and then like kind of spread out sporadically through the rest. That's kind of how I felt about this, of like, the Limbo stuff is by far the most interesting of the film, and you get two goddamn scoops of it in the very beginning, and then it just sort of like, reminds you about it through moments of the of the rest of the film. But I think you pointed it out even better than I, I was originally thinking of it in terms of, um, you know, it being based on the comic book, is yeah, basically as soon as it ventures out of just ripping off the the graphic novel is when it completely falls apart. And I think this is a case of like a movie structurally. I think the problem is that it's two different films. It's this like really interesting, dark aesthetic, weird creature bonkers sort of idea compared with a big, dumb floppy comedy. That is just nothing. It's like it, there's a deepness and a depth to it at the beginning and then there's just like a goofy goober at the end. It's just it, it feels very disjointed, and I feel like it was just too weird to succeed. Yeah, um, I think that uh, it, it's almost comparable to to use your analogy. It's like if the first third of the movie were Nightmare Before Christmas, and then the second two thirds they just like somebody cut together a reel and just attached the second two thirds of. Uh, Master of Disguise. Exactly. To... Whoa, my God. What an excellent, excellent metaphor. That is 100% it. 
Yeah, it's um, it's it's real rough once you get back to the world. Like once you get to the scene where Monkey Bone has like uh you know gotten the golden ticket from Brendan Fraser and he's hopping away through the town and is going to get into the big uh theme park ride and be shot back into the real world. I'm like begging for him not to do that. I'm like somebody stop him. Let's stay down here. I don't want to watch the Brendan Fraser make the funny fart face. I want to just, let's stay here for a little while, please. But he has a soul patch and he's got sideburns. Isn't that zany? You know what's hilarious about that too, um, is that that whole transformation happens like before they even get him home. Like she's walking him in the room and it's like, and you're home, sweetie. And he's got these dumb sideburns and soul patch. And I'm like... I think that should have been your first key when you your were first like indicator of perhaps yeah. something's wrong. <laughs> um, it's kind of uh, the beginning of the movie is really interesting to me, to be honest. Like when she, oh, when he first gets into the coma and he's and his fiance to be is like talking with somebody at their house, um, and she's talking about like the nightmares he used to have and how she got him to like switch hands when drawing and that like turned him into a cartoonist and i'm like that's so interesting like i yeah. and 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 the friend says like who who which which guy did you fall in love with and and i mean obviously a lot of the movie does play with consciousness and the whole end of the movie is like oh we put monkey bone back in your head where he belongs but like i just don't think all of the like watching monkeys fuck on tv and like getting horny like it like i don't think this very horny character matches the like themes the rest of the movie was trying to pull off at all yeah nor the other the other thing that was weird to me too is when monkey bone like first takes over brendan fraser's body and like he's at home like it, it, it just it doesn't see i don't know it seems very like okay so monkey bone is a character you're like ah the horny monkey i got it but then it's like oh he's an asshole too i guess because I'm like, well, why... So the scene that you mentioned of him, like, oh, I'm going to bang Bridget Fonda. Why Why does that take so long to get there? Like, why is he like, oh, welcome home cake. I'm going to eat it with my hands because I'm an idiot. Like, oh, uh, this dog's barking at me. Time to jump up on the mantle because I'm an idiot. And then it's like, finally, it's not until Bridget Fonda is showering that he's like, oh, right, a woman. I have a peepus. Now I understand what's going on. Like, it just seems... I don't know. It, it just... The, the movie yeah. plays it up like, oh, he's like Brendan Fraser's subconscious, and he's like all boners and shit. But then, like, once it gets to go time, it's like, or I don't know, he's just an asshole, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, there is sort of a weird disconnect for, like, he looks down at his penis within seconds of getting into Brendan Fraser's body, but then, like, she's she undresses to go shower and he's like watching the monkeys fuck on TV, which is a, a setup for a joke. Like there's a setup and a punchline. I get that. But like, does monkey bone is monkey bone more interested in fucking humans or monkeys? That's, I guess my main takeaway. He from does the movie. kiss a monkey in this. So I don't know. Yeah, That's But he great... seems, but he seems hesitant because the orangutans there and is like sticking its tongue out and and he see and like i feel like monkey bone the character would take his dick out and let the orangutan suck it <laughs> <laughs> there it is folks that's the episode enjoy no um 
No, because because he wants to eat in limbo. Yeah, you're disgusting. This is the low point of the show now. Congratulations. We reached it, finally. We did it, kids. We finally got to get there. I was like, man, this episode's really slogging. We got to it. Now that's going to be the in case of emergency break glass of the show. Is when, when you feel the conversation's lacking. Talking about would an orangutan perform fellatio on someone. Oh, okay. Anyways, what was the next point you were going to make? I have no idea. Um, oh, um, no. That even in Limbo, Monkey Bone wants to bang Rose McGowan Cat Lady. Yeah, So definitely. I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> it's like, do you like big human titties or do you like like orangutan like buttholes like i don't also, get it the devil not tr- communication is weird in this movie because yeah. they're like the devil's like aha here was my plan all along i'm gonna have monkey bone go back to earth and create more nightmare fuel because that's awesome for me for some reason and then we see that like brendan frazier is locked in a jail with, like, other scary creative types, like fucking Stephen King's there and stuff like that, who apparently, according to the movie, uh, Cujo is the creature familiar that came back to Earth and possessed Stephen King's body. That's what the movie suggests. That's such a... It's such a weird, specific thing, especially to, like, not actually be having Stephen King playing him. Right. Um, it's just so, I don't know, it's so strange to me. Like, it's such a very specific reference, uh, in my mind. Like, yeah, you know what the kids like these days. Stephen King novels. So we got them, (laughs) you know, so we got that reference locked down in here. Like, it's not like, I feel like that would have been a great opportunity to have, like, a cameo. To have, like, whoever was hip hip in the early 2000s, like, pop in and be like, yeah, like, I'm in here. Have David Duchovny there. Exactly. yeah. Uh, something from the X-Files came and possessed my body and made me film Californication. Um, but anywho, so that's interesting. Like I, like we said before, the entire stuff in Limbo is by far the more interesting stuff. The weird bumper cars in the background, the look. the And that's the thing that kind of boggles my mind about it is that the movie itself treats Limbo as just sort of like a plot point. Like, it's just sort of like, okay, well, anyway, here's Monkey Bone, and now this is the rest of the story. Like, yeah. the movie treats the dumb part as, like, the this is why you're here. This is what you yeah, came exactly. here for. Yeah, exactly. It's like, the, well, I'm, I'm certain, and, and we could probably pull up a trailer for Monkey Bone and discover that I'm sure that's vastly what was advertised about it. Yeah, was, it was Chris Kattan hey, being zany and, and Brendan Fraser yeah. being zany. But my point is, if that was the case... Like, let's say you're making this movie and you're like, yeah, there's like a weird thing and like it's a subconscious thing and it's like the nightmare world, whatever. But it's just getting us to, you know, they're going to fly on a fucking giant balloon and Dave Foley's going to be naked. That's really weird. That's the nuts and bolts of where we're going to. Why would mm. you spend so much money on it if that was the case? Like you said, the creature effects, the, the, the tangible sets and stuff. There is so much hard work put into that for it to just kind of be a throwaway like... Anyway, fucking Monkey Bone's gonna be Marilyn Monroe in this scene for a second. Isn't that funny? To 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 continue to be like Nightmare Before Christmas about this. Can you imagine if they had given this script and said, "Hey, this is like the first draft." So they gave the finished movie script to Tim Burton, and they said, "This is the first draft. You can adjust this how you want." 
I feel like that would be honestly like that in retrospect, that would be like an iconic movie. Yeah. Like, absolutely. you know, because I think he would have, he would have, uh, he would have taken the, the, in the real world stuff and made it very like Edward Scissorhands and very kind of awkward Tim Burton. Like if he is possessed by monkey bone. Um, and, uh, I, I think that, I mean, not to jump in and fix this film right now, but, but that's honestly what you would have needed to well, do let's, because let's, it's let's... what they were aping anyways. No Whoa! pun intended. Aping? He said it, folks. That's <laughs> it. Oh, Jesus. Um, so what, I guess, what stands out to you? What do you like? What do you hate about this movie? Okay. So, uh, once again, things I remember or things I think about when yes. I'm not watching the film, uh, the organ stuff. I think I always yes. think about that yes, when it comes 100% to... Yes, 100% correct. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think about those the, the, the bits with the organs falling out. and Oh, his kidney you know, falls that's... on a... The, Chris Kattan's dead body, his kidney falls on a grill and someone serves it to somebody. Ha ha yeah. ha ha Yeah. I think there's some decent enough... Uh, like physical comedy in this movie. I think that Chris Kattan, like prior to like getting his neck up straight, you know, is yeah. like making good work of it. I'm like, that's fine. You know, I don't mind that. And I, I, um, for, I kind of forget it's, this is going to sound silly, but I kind of forget that Brendan Fraser kind of cut his teeth as like a more comedic actor. Cause you've had like Encino man and George of the jungle. And you know, you had a lot of goofy shit to kind of start things off for him. Mm. Um, I always think of Brendan Fraser in terms of, like, The Mummy or those kinds of yeah. movies. Um, not really going like, no, he was a goof-ass for a long, long time. Uh, no, for sure. Um, and I think that his performance, like, be, be what it is, like, I still believe when the confrontation happens at the end and Chris Kattan gets there to the museum, I still believe that it's, okay, there's Brendan Fraser's character up against... Uh, you know, monkey bone. Yes. Like I, 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 I'm not like ah, okay. Well, there's silly Brendan Fraser. Like it's, 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 it's enough to buy into. So I get that. Um, I also think a lot about his fucking painting that he gets sucked into. Mm -hmm. Like that terrified me as yeah. a kid. Like that awful painting. Um, and Rose McGowan. Oh God, and Russ McGowan all day. I, I honestly, I feel like this is one of those horny movies that I like. When I was a kid and I was watching it, like I would try and like change the channel really quick to like Ed and Eddie or whatever because yes. I yeah because it's not just Rose McGowan. It's like you know the devil wants to fuck that big B yeah. and like uh you know the, there's a lot of like jumping in titties and like the intro to the movie is like a cartoon about like having a boner in class yeah, and, and the, the 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 brand fraser's dog gets sprayed in the face with like nightmare juice and then he has yeah. a nightmare about like cat farmers are gonna chop his balls off and it literally shows like the dog's balls like in between two like shears like it's very horny yeah. this movie's very horny Plus the it's orangutan. It's a very horny movie. Let's, let's, let's not forget about the orangutan. Like, I mean, let's that's... not forget. I mean, if you had let that orangutan have its way, who knows right. what could have happened? Um, yeah. So, so I definitely recall that pretty intimately, and I feel like I, I feel like there there, there are parts of this movie that just seem so kind of half baked. Like they're like, well, who's gonna play death? Whoopi Goldberg, obviously. Right. That's the obvious ha, ha, ha. choice. Yeah. And, like, is it Thomas Aiden Church? Yeah. Is, like, her assistant? And he's yeah. uncredited, yeah. Is he really? Yeah, he's uncredited in the movie. Wow. He was the only one with foresight. Yeah. It's true. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's just a lot. Uh, there are elements of this movie that that definitely feel as if they were ready to fully embrace the weird, but then they back off right beforehand. Like they're like, it okay, does. It like, truly feels like the last. At least the last act is done by a completely different group. Like it feels like the last act is just like this zany. Can we make it Ace Ventura kind of, you know, feeling towards the last act of like the chase and and uh, Dave Foley's running around naked and. And, you know, um, Bob Odenkirk is, is leading a pack of paramedics to try to catch Chris Kattan because he's they're going to harvest his organs. Like, it just seems very wacky and over the top instead of weird. Like, like, yeah. it, like it was almost like, well, we can't trust the movie just to get away with being weird. So instead, the last act is just loud noises and colors and jingling keys. And hopefully that'll save the day. And it's like... No, man, if you had really just committed to the weird shit. So that's my question to you. That's that's the last question I want to end on here. Is do you think if they had just done what the comic book does and it basically ends with Brendan Frazier attempting to get back into his body and it's unsure if he if he actually makes it or not and the whole movie would be about Limbo, do you think that would have made for a better film or do you think it would have just been a mess and it would have been like, well, absolutely no one's going to see it. Not even people tricked into it by comic books. You know, it's tough to say because I think that, you know, the, the thing about weirdness is that it works well when it's contrasted with like what's happening in the real world. True. Um, and so I think you still could have had those elements. I just think that it doesn't know who it's marketed to. I yes. Think that it really, it wanted more than anything to just be the slapstick comedy and to have like, so just have like more fart jokes than it really, it was like, it was going up against evolution. It says we want more fart jokes than evolution. Right. And it succeeded. fart this film. Yeah. Like it wanted to just out fart it and it did. And in that sense, I think we can all agree it was a success. Yes, exactly. So that's all I got. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so it's that time for TN and I to flex our creative muscle and fix these two films that, surprisingly enough, share a lot more similarity than differences, and the greatest similarity of all, they're both in a completely forgettable year for cinema, 2001. Hey, 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 Shrek. Okay, you know what? You're right. That's how you fix it. You make them both Shrek. Well, yeah. I mean, but we, I, didn't we agree early on that we weren't going to make a movie Shrek, that that's too easy? Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, let me say, uh, I think that this is a more difficult fix simply because of how memory works. That movies that we are uh, familiar with from years ago, from our, you know, adolescence, I think are more difficult to kind of enact changes into. So let's just put that on the board right now. Give ourselves a little extra pat on the back when we ultimately fix the fuck out of these. That's true. Um, so, uh, okay. So, why don't we just start with evolution then? Um, so, with evolution, let's see. You could... Um, um, more, more fart jokes to start with. Definitely more fart jokes. Um, so 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 here's here's how you fix evolution. Right? Okay. So so you got that scene at the end where uh, they're shoving a bunch of head and shoulders up that monster's like butthole pussy bussy, right. um, and uh, and, the classiest film podcast. Yeah. On the market and, today. And and Orlando Bloom, excuse me, Orlando, Orlando Jones. Bloom, that's how okay. you fix the movie. That's the fix right there. <laughs> <laughs> you swap Orlando Jones for Orlando Bloom, but classic, do not fix any of the jokes. Do not classic the jokes Hollywood whitewashing. My God. 
<laughs> so Orlando Jones gets sucked up in that monster's bussy. Yes. And uh, and is just screaming and kicking around and stuff. And I think that instead of like pulling him back out, that you have David Duchovny also get sucked into the big butthole. And he's like, oh no, his feet are hanging out. So then Julianne Moore, she climbs up the ladder. She gets up there. She gets sucked in as well. Those two big fat idiots, uh, they get sucked up. Dan Aykroyd's like, I got to do this. He jumps onto the fire truck. He grabs feel, onto like the legs of the fat kid. Your, your fan fiction now. I feel like this is getting this is getting a little sideways. Yeah. So it gets it gets up there, and then uh, yeah, I mean, okay. Don't, first of all. About my fan fiction, I told you not to bring that up on this show. I apologize. I and second of all, uh, yeah, I mean, I, okay, I I had pitched from the beginning that this should have been the first like kind of human centipede movie, and I think that's really how you fix it. Is you have this giant chain of people go up that butthole, and then the rest of the movie is set like kind of inside it, and it's just sort of vor fantasy thing that I've been into I, yes, lately. Yes, I'm very familiar. Um, yes, thank where you. Where you see like a diagram. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, because you're familiar, right, with, like, you know Vor. I mean, come on. We all know Vor. And so it's, like, you know the kind where it's, like, there's a diagram and it shows, like, the insides and that we can really get, like, that I think would be really, really good if we could just see, like, the whole cast just, like, sucked up inside that thing and, like, they're being, like, compressed. You, you, you know what I mean? Your descriptions of it is scarier than any haunted house could ever be. Um, <laughs> no, I don't... God, I don't know how to fix that. I guess give more of a shit maybe like actually put some effort into making that would probably fix it probably a little bit um not not just trying to go yeah it's basically ghostbusters like maybe actually trying to be creative with it or leaning more into that make it more ghostbusters then one or the other cuz hanging out in the middle is not is not doing it that's not accurate yeah, I mean, I, I think, honest to God, if you had had the end of the movie when they discover that it's head and shoulders, like, literally, you could, the whole movie could be the same. But uh, what they do is they take a bunch of, like, pieces from the engineering department at the community college and they build, essentially, proton packs, like, that squirt goo yeah. out and they get all, like, suited up and they go and fight the big thing like that. I, I would have been like, well, at least no one is... There, there, there's no splitting hairs about this at right. all. Like, you... you you're doing what you're doing, and I respect that in a way, um, as opposed to this kind of wishy-washy, like, but it is. Look how slimy they're, Ooh, they're getting. Getting like... real goopy. Um, Ooh, also, goopy. would you have made uh, would you have made David Duchovny's character a lot more actually sexually active in the film instead of just kind of alluding to it, like, because like there's a scene where like Orlando Jones is talking, like, okay, here this would be my solution: is pick a goddamn lane for Orlando Jones and David Duchovny. Because they're both basically the same character. They're both like, yeah, we're yeah. supposed to be science guys, but mm, there's pussy involved. I mean... <laughs> like, they're both like that. And I'm like, no, no, one of you is like that. The other one needs to be, like, more straight-laced. The thing is, so you have the end of the movie, and Julianne Moore is like, so how about a little overtime, or whatever the fuck line she says. And uh, and he goes, bitch. And he turns and just kisses Orlando Jones passionately. Okay. And, and it turns out it was all sexual tension between them, um, and and that the whole butthole scene, that was David. That was not, like, a big pair of tongs. Oh. You know what I mean? Yikes. This, this... Do you know what okay, I mean? Okay, you know what? Here's the problem. Both these films are kind of horny, and it made this show into a horny episode. I'm not into it. I'm fucking horny! I'm not into this at all. Um,
Zach, please. I just need to finish the show. Okay, so, uh... So I can come. Oh, okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, uh... So, yeah, I think either making uh, Orlando Jones and David Duchovny gay would certainly help. Um, no, I think so. I think so. At least by Come yeah, on. That's true. It's 2019. They could be by Exactly. Um, it's 2001. They could be by Yeah. Yeah, maybe that um, would help. I don't know. Jettisoning every DVD copy of this into the sun, I feel like, would help. Because, like, that's I said, always your solution. Because no, 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 here's the thing: as I said, evolution's biggest crime is that it's boring. It is the oatmeal of comedy. It's just sort of like, mm, like David Duchovny like moons the the general at one point. Like he just puts his uh-huh. bare ass against the wit. Like, what 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 are you doing, movie? Like, what's going on? Um, it had a lot of. They really leaned into the. Uh, the like that scene in Ghostbusters when Walter Peck is like these men are terrorists they destroyed the city and ba 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 and Egon completely out of character goes your mother and you're like what the hell that was basically every scene with David Duchovny and the fucking general it was like the general was like well you were kind of a piece of shit in the government and that's why we fired you you asshole and then David Duchovny would be like how about you come and suck my dick and you're like where is where is this coming from David Duchovny where the hell is this coming from? I think the real solution, evolution... Uh, whoa. Oh, hey, um, there it is, folks. You got to it. We did it. Oh, baby. All right. Um, it's just to... Uh, it's just to make it a full-on X-Files Ghostbusters mashup movie. Okay. Like, fully just have Scully and Mulder meet Well, I mean, that's why they had the a Busters. redhead play the, the, the female lead, right? Because she's basically Scully. Yeah, yeah essentially. Yeah. Uh, precisely that. Uh, plus, I don't think David Duchovny has a ton of, like, range, necessarily. Um, <laughs> okay. So, I think they just had to kind of just work with what he'll they had. He'll get confused if she's a blonde. Just make her a redhead and he'll be able to... Just, act. he's got to, like... Um, yeah, evolution is a real difficult one. We uh, There's got to be some kind of foolproof fix here. Uh, maybe you just, uh... Maybe just, like, dig up Harold Ramis's corpse and just kind of throw that in there. Harold and... Ramis would have been alive at this point. They needed to... Call oh, really? Him. Yeah, in 2001? Yeah, they could have called him up and been like, please fix this. Please make this funny. Because this is a no good. It's a stinky. It's a no good. Yeah. I mean, it's really... It's it's a matter of, like... It's it's a matter of the upgrade. Just spend the money to get the SNL and not the, you know... The Matt I mean, TV? The, the Matt TV. Like, I don't know. Do you think if you had had... Like Eddie Murphy instead of Orlando Jones in this, do you think it would have been improved? No, because I think he still would have. You know, even yes, Eddie Murphy saying "Great Guga Muga" would have also made me laugh. But like, it still has the same problems of just like, oh, they're both kind of Peter Venkman. They're both kind of slackers, and yet, I don't know. They're both assholes too, I guess, and they both are just like poonhounds. I don't know. It, the the problem I think comes from the writing and the and the fact that. This very disjointedly was supposed to be serious, and they made it a comedy. And their solution to it, instead of being like, oh, well, we're going to write clever things and blah, 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 their solution was, why don't you just put doo-doo and caca jokes in a serious thing, and that'll basically be a comedy. So that's the fix, is you get you get Harold Ramis in, you make it a big deal of like, oh my god, Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, and Ivan Reitman are joining forces again for the first time since Ghostbusters. Here we go. What are they going to come up with? And I feel like that would be your solution. Yeah, honestly, that's that's the legitimate solution. Is much like uh, much like the crew of the Cornetto trilogy. Exactly. You know, is it's like, hey, they're taking on it. Like first they did ghosts, now they're going to do aliens. Exactly. Like, 
but you you would have had to explore more kind of like alieny tropes. I think I think that yeah, like to to really just table all of the jokes. Like if you had this be a movie that kind of ripped off more of the tropes of like uh, the Alien franchise or Predator or you know like some of the classic like eighties and nineties sci fi, um, then I think that would have made for probably a better, funnier, you know, more long lasting, memorable movie than just this, like, weird early 2000s slapstick shoot-the-jizz-in-the-butthole movie. Yeah, because the actual... And you said it from the very beginning. The actual <laughs> alien invasion element is interesting, but would be interesting in a more serious horror element. Like, the fact that it's like, hey, it's not like the aliens have a particular vendetta against humans. It's literally just nature. It's just... It's growing exponentially. Um, yeah. That is perfectly fine as a concept. But when they clearly had no... The most joke they had for it was either have the alien fart or talk about, oh my god, they reproduce asexually. That sucks. What a That'll ruin your weekend. Those were like the two jokes they wrote. And then they were like, well, anyway, we'll just have, we'll just have people talk to each other and that'll be the jokes. Like, if you're not, like you're saying, if you were going to make it an alien comedy, playing on the tropes that have already been established is going to give you a lot more to make hay out of as opposed to here's a very original concept of an alien invasion that you had nothing funny to talk about so instead it's just oh man julianne moore super wants you to bang her <laughs> like that's i feel where the problem kind of lies all right hang on so you actually just gave me the real fix right oh. here so so comparing alien to just nature uh, so we take another more recent movie that did that concept called Annihilation. Mm -hmm. And so you take Natalie Portman's character from Annihilation, who is just experiencing utter like existential horror and dread yes. uh, throughout the entire movie. And you have her there and she is just no nonsense, just absolutely terrified at the, at, you know, rightfully scary idea of these alien creatures evolving like rapidly and you have her there up against, like, Sean Williams, like, spread asshole farting. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And I think that that contrast is really what would just fix the movie. Well, just like in Annihilation, when he farts, it sounds like a fart, but it also sounds like a human scream at the same time. Yes, yes, exactly. I want the dread in there. Yes. Like, I think that evolution does not have nearly enough dread, um, and that's... You know, I wanted I, I wanted to feel haunted like right. uh, when the when the credits roll. Yes. Like I wanna I wanna laugh. I wanna like I wanna fart along to the movie. <laughs> but, uh... And there it is, a great movie to fart along to. So, how do we fix Monkey Bone? Okay, so Monkey Bone, another good movie to fart along to, honestly. Yes. Um, but uh, <laughs> so I think the thing about Monkey Bone is, and we had already sort of said, like, give it to a visionary, and I think you'd have a better movie. Give it to someone who actually like has more of an aesthetic and could like match all of the cool underworld stuff to like what's happening up on the real world. Yes, um, that would honestly be a fix. But there, there's some under the surface, I think. You know, I'm trying to give it my best thought here. What are you thinking? Um, I, I think making bringing it a little bit closer in, so having it not be quite so different, not such like it's a gothic painting in the beginning and it's a cartoon at the end. Like I try to bring it a little bit more in the middle, so that like. <laughs> You know, it's not such a distinct difference that you're like, what? You, what? Am, what movie am I even watching at this point? You know, when because here's the thing: like, in in speaking about contrast, 
Like, there's a superbly fantastic film that matches how does a cartoon fit in the real world, and it's called Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Right. Um, and to, 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 to essentially ape, once again, you what? know, that uh, would be really the kind of key to, you know, I mean, just watch that ten times and figure out, like, how do we kind of take this style how do how do we take things more serious up here in the real world to match like the lunacy of what's now happening right i think that's the main problem is that it's like a cartoon character has possessed brendan fraser but other people are also being cartoons like other people yeah. are being sprayed in the face with shit and taking off all their clothes and like you know chris Catan's there and like there's the like it's all a cartoon at the end it's not like a cartoon has invaded the real world yeah very true yeah even characters who are not possessed are also like like the the um the paramedics who were chasing Chris Kattan, who was a, a cadaver that they were harvesting, uh, you know, um, body parts from, like, they're cartoonish in their own right of, like, yeah. they're running through and, like, give us that thing! And, like, oh, we'll, it'll, we'll put it on ice, it'll be fine. Like, they're also cartoony for no reason. There's no justification. There's no, like, oh, well, other creatures came out of limbo and now they've taken... No, it's just, like, oh, and they are existing impossibly... In the same world that now this is all a thing. Yeah. Um, you know, Monkey Bone, there's definitely a way of fixing it. And I think what it truly involves at its core is that you have to get down in the underworld and you have to just focus entirely on Rose McGowan's character for like an hour and 30 minutes. But... I, I'm thinking less like a movie and more like kind of like a chatterbait session. Okay, you know what? That's not... That doesn't help. That's not going to help this movie. It'll help you, but not this movie. Well, what'll help me? I don't know. Do you think it could have... Okay. I said it before. Fuck the entire third act and make the movie just about Limbo because there were so many weird characters that you got a glimpse of that I would have been interested in learning more about. Like, not just the weird bee lady that the devil was going to fuck. I'm talking about, like, the bartender, the weird giant-headed ham guy who is also, like, a chef. Like, there's a lot of weird characters in that. Who are the fucking people in the bumper cars? What are the other creative and scary types throughout history that are in jail? How do they play into all this? Like, the, you had so many different things you could have explored in Limbo that they were just kind of like, I don't know, man, we built it in the warehouse and just moved on. That I think if you just cut the whole third act and just make it about the weirdness of that world, I think you would have at least had a much more interesting endeavor as opposed to, like, this big... Instead, it feels like the goddamn you take the cup and you run under every soda thing and at a at a restaurant and like you do a little bit of like here's a little bit of Sprite, here's a little bit of Coke, here's a little bit of Dr Pepper, here's a little bit of Fanta, and then you drink it at the end and you're like, ooh, this is gross. That's what it tastes you like. You say fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> you go down the ramp, you drink it, you say fuck you. But the point is, that's that's what this film feels like. Is it's like okay, we were trying this flavor, but then we got bored with it. So now we're doing this flavor, and we got bored with it, and we were doing this flavor, and we got bored with it. And the other thing I was trying to mention earlier that I got sidetracked on was, like, communication is weird in this film because the devil's like, hey, Monkey Bone, go give people nightmares. And then Monkey Bone is, like, actively making that plan happen, but I guess not quick enough? Or the devil doesn't get the details and is like, oh, this asshole monkey, like, I'm gonna... I'm mad at him now. And it's like, what? Like, just give him ten more minutes. It'll be fine. He's clearly making yeah, progress. Yeah, there's, like, no... There's, like, no time frame. He's, like, in a human body, and, like, after night one, the devil's like, I'm gonna beat the hell out of you yeah. if you don't give me those nightmares. It's like, 
can you give me a minute? Like, like I don't even I've know how never to drive. Done this. I don't even know how to drive yet. Like, what the yeah. fuck am I? What are you talking about? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Honestly, I think there are a lot of movies that do kind of what this could have done, which is introduce a really weird and wacky world, and then at the end, when the option is there to go back to the real world, which obviously, which is what we, the audience, are all familiar with, there's kind of this element of like, but do I want to stay here with all these like lovable weird characters? Yeah, that's or do the I end want of to, like uh, go back to the world of the living. That's the end of Cool World. Is that Brad Pitt's character yeah. like, oh, you could come back to Earth, or you could stick in the cartoon Cool World, and he's like. Yeah, I'll stick in the weird boner land. That's fine. Talk about a horny movie. Jeez. A horny goddamn mess of a movie, I might add. That here, yeah. Here's the number one way to fix Monkey Bone. Don't make it Cool World. That's the <laughs> that's how you fix that film. No, I think the I think making it cool. I think what you do with Monkey Bone is you substitute him with like Fritz the Cat. Oh God. Um, and just make it as horny as possible. Like I think you you fully just make like have the whole. Have the whole, like, underworld just be designed by, like, a Danish, like, gay porn artist or something. And, and just, like, have it just be all just dicks and titties. Like, just have the whole thing be, like, an H.R. Giger nightmare, honestly. Well, you know what? As much as you're being weird, you may not be off off the wagon here. You might be on, on point because... Oh, I know. Because the film tries to titillate with, with sexual ideas... And like you said, the very opening is like a little short flash cartoon about like the first time he got a boner in class was because his teacher had big flabby arms. Um, but once it's actual go time, the movie very, very, very much so chickens out. And it's just sort of like, oh, Monkey Bone likes boo-boos, but like doesn't actually explore anything of an actual sexual nature. It's just sort of like, hmm, but maybe there's a booty involved. And then that just moves on to something else. Like... I think maybe if you had steered more into that, you would have obviously alienated a lot more of an audience, but I think you would have captured a greater creeper audience that would have at least had respect for you to being like, yeah, this is real weird and sexy, okay. I mean, honest to God, even if you didn't go, like, full 100% creeper with it and you just, like, gave a reason for why, like monkey bone is like the id of sexual impulse or whatever and you like explored something about like the nature of like what it means to you know get married to someone and know that like you're locking down this primal impulse or whatever and have that be more of a theme and not just like he's horny because it's funny right but like there's a kind of a reason for it that would have been interesting actually what you've just described is already a much more interesting idea than this entire film like i'm <laughs> i'm already i'm like is this a movie can i watch this movie cuz this sounds way more interesting to me yeah it's called monkey boner oh good um, monkey boner it's the porn parody right. of monkey bone you know, can, can we just wrap this up? I really got to go Google and see if anyone has dressed up like Rose McGowan's character. I mean, you're not wrong. Like on, We're, like you know, a website. If anybody asks, it's, science it's, it's research. Hey, there's custom videos. You can definitely order that now. Uh, oh God, yeah, Fiverr. Oh, Hell yeah, it's do this. So both consider them fixed. Neither one of them are, they're fixed, are ready for... Although, honestly, the real thing you got to do to fix Monkey Bone is have that orangutan suck Brandon Fisher's dick. Okay, <laughs> let's just be honest. <laughs> Like a I mean, 10 that's minute the, sequence that's of that. The end, that's the end of every fix. Is, yeah. It's just that. Wow. Um, <laughs> BB was not involved this time, there surprisingly. You go. There you go, everybody. <laughs> you happy? 
BB comes in, like peeks around the corner and watches that happen. Goes, oh boy, the, you happy oh folks? Boy. No, no deadly friend. Instead, you got a orangutan blowing somebody. Huh? Is that what you yep. wanted? Because that's what you got. <laughs> Is that what you wanted? All right, let's wrap up here. Do you have anything to plug? I'm, I'm too horny, Zach. I gotta go. Okay, well, you have to. Google I'm too some horny, to baby. To Google some. So many of these sound bites are gonna be used against you in the court of law. It's gonna be great. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yes, I do have something to plug. If you look up uh, Horrible Horrors on YouTube, uh, I did my first pay-for-play review of the 1982 film Pieces. Uh, a fan of, of my work paid me good hard-earned money to review that very weird slasher film. So that is currently up on YouTube. If you search Horrible Horrors, uh, that will come up there. Uh, that is one of a few coming up, including uh, Terror at Blood Fart Lake, which I will be reviewing here next and I'm not particularly thrilled about um, oh. Other than that, you can follow me on Twitter at Horrible Horrors. Obviously, follow us uh, as a show at uh, uh, all the various Frightful Failure social media outlets. Subscribe if you're not, not already. If you've got films you want us to talk about, let us know. If the, if the FBI is already on their way, let us know. Um, other than that, for everybody here in, in Frightful Failure's productions, he's... Tien Guignol, I'm Zach Romero. Thank you once again for listening. And as always, continue circulating the tapes. <laughs>